Well, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 as we continue our march through the book of 1 Corinthians. We're getting very close to the end of this marvelous book. But by the time we're done, we will have touched on every single verse in this in this uh, book. And that's exactly what we want to do is to go through and to... Uh, Take God unedited, as it were, as we go through his word. Well, this morning, our text will be verses 5 to 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, beginning at verse 5, going through verse 9. Listen to the Apostle Paul as he writes, as he is again superintended and moved by the Holy Spirit, as he writes the inerrant word of God. He says, but I will come to you after I go through Macedonia, for I am going through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may send me on my way wherever I may go. For I do not wish to see you now just in passing, for I hope to remain with you for some time if the Lord permits. But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective service has been opened to me, and there are many adversaries. There ends the reading of God's word this morning. Join with me as I pray before we go through our text this morning. Gracious Heavenly Father, again, I pray that you would again go before your word, that your Holy Spirit would be the teacher. We know that nothing of value will be done unless your Holy Spirit teaches us. And so, Lord, protect your word I pray that again, that as we draw these principles from your word, that we would again be convinced of them by your Holy Spirit and that we would apply them and that we would go out with a better understanding of what you have for us. I pray this in your name and for your glory. Amen. Well, I know that as you read the passage this morning and you looked at it, the first thing you said was how is he going to get a sermon out of that? Because you looked at that and you said, that is very, that's pretty mundane, Pastor. Like how on earth are you going to get anything out of that? Because Paul is just giving us plans. That's all he's done. He's just really like, there's no thus thou shalt. There's nothing. What, what do we do with this text? But I think as we look at this text this morning, we're actually going to find that there's some more riches in here than we might have first thought. Because when we looked at verses 1 to 4, we were kind of thinking, if you're honest, there wasn't a lot there either, right? So this morning, I think as we look through this, we're going to see something that maybe we didn't see when we first looked at it. Now, I want you to look back with me first at verse 4. 1558. He says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. So as he ends that section, he says, I want you to abound in the work of the Lord. And then as he's giving instructions, we'll start to see that he is actually giving you things to do or, or giving plans in the things that the Lord would have you do. 
So what is the Lord, what is the work of the Lord? Well, he left us with two things to do, right? If we look at the Great Commission, he said, number one, I want you to evangelize, right? Number two, I want you to what? Disciple. In other words, you're making disciples by evangelizing and them teaching them and sanctifying them. And so now he's going to give some practical instructions, we would say, on how, how do we do the work of the Lord? How does that take place? And here, as he comes to our text this morning, as he really discusses, and we would say answers the question that he raised in the earlier passage in, in verse uh, 3, when he talks about he's going to come to them, and when he comes to them, I'll give you letters to send to Jerusalem. And so the question that's going to be in the Corinthians' mind is, when is Paul coming? When's he going to get here? What are his plans? And so Paul, in essence, answers that question for them. This is how you know when I'm coming. This is what, this is what your expectations should be. And so he lays out his plans for the future for them so that they know what his plans are. But as he lays out these plans, not only does he itch their curiosity as to when he's coming and how he's coming, he also demonstrates for us how to plan, how to do the Lord's work, how do we plan to do the Lord's work. And Paul here gives us five principles that we can apply to planning for the Lord's work, five things that we should keep in mind if we are going to be doing or going about doing the Lord's work. And if we will apply these principles, they will guide us to fruitful ministry for God's glory. Now, the first principle that I just simply want us to see is simply this. Paul made plans. <laughs> That's pretty deep. Paul made plans. But look with me in verse 5. But I will come to you after I go through Macedonia, for I am going through Macedonia. Now, Paul here has a plan. He has an understanding of what he wants to do in ministry and where he wants to go. Paul is not aimless. Paul is not just, just hoping that ministry happens. He's, he's not just sitting there saying, man alive, I, I sure hope I can do ministry or... or uh, it would be good to do ministry. Paul actually makes a plan. He actually goes about making sure that whatever he wants to do gets done. Now, one of the things that we know about Paul is that he wasn't a man without plans. He continues to make plans all the time. He goes to the Romans, hey, I'm going to come to you and I'm going to minister to you. I've never been to you. I've never given the gospel to you. I'm going to give the gospel to you so that you hear my version of the gospel because you've never heard it from me. Now, that gospel is the same that they heard from others, but Paul had never done it personally. Then he says, I'm going to spend some time there. That we're going to make, I'm going to have some fruitful ministry with you. I expect that the Lord will work among you. And then you are going to be, my, I want to go to Spain. I've got more plans than just this. And then I want you guys to give me money and send me on my way. 
right? Now, history would record that Paul actually made it, as far as we can tell. But one of the things that Paul demonstrates for us, that if we are going to be in ministry, and that does not mean that you have to be a pastor or a missionary, but if you are going to be in missionary, you need to... uh, No, I just said you didn't have to be a missionary. All right, what I'm saying is... (laughs) If you want to be in, if you're going to be in ministry of any kind, and that does not mean being a pastor, it does not being, mean being a missionary, but it means using the gifting that God has given you to exercise within the church body. He says, you need to plan. You need to have a plan and you need to have a goal. Because if you're anything like me, That was just rude. (laughs) If you don't have a plan, you rarely get anything done. You rarely have anything anything go. So oftentimes we look in our lives and we, we would like certain things to take place, but they never seem to come to fruition until we make a plan to get there. And so Paul says, listen, I'm making a plan. And I'm, I have a desire to do something. And so he says, I'm setting it out as a goal. And how often is it that we would like to serve the Lord, we th- but we never actually plan to do it? We actually never set out with a plan to do it. We, we would say, man... It would, you know what, I think I would like to teach Sunday school sometime. Or maybe I would like to, to, you know, maybe I could take the pastor's job and preach once in a while. Or, or maybe I could do the gardening out front or whatever that thing, whatever your gifting is. Maybe I should go visit people in the church and do some of the one another's during the week. And then the week goes by. And another week goes by. And another week goes by, and pretty soon it's months, and then it's years, and it never happens. Why? Because we just simply fail to have a vision for it. We simply have failed to plan for it. And it's interesting. We have talked about this ad nauseum in our Bible Training Institute and at Fundamentals of the Faith. We never, ever ever come together and we never train in scripture we never teach in scripture with the idea that the only thing we're there for is for your personal sanctification now we are there we we want you to be sanctified we want you to grow but what are we doing when we come together as a church and we are taught in the word we are preparing you for what to do the ministry it's not the pastor's job to do all the ministry. It's, it's what? His job is to teach you according to 1 Corinthians. Right? He's to teach you. I, I should say that's Ephesians chapter 4. Right? He is, he's to teach you and prepare you for the works of the what? The ministry. And so how often... Are we aimless and we sit and we say, well, 
I would like to do ministry, and I do have some gifting, and I see it. I have some spiritual gifts that have been given to me, but I don't exercise them, and I never prepare myself so that I can actually do ministry. And so we, 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 we fail to say, listen, I have a goal out in front of me. Now I'm going to set about trying to get it done. And Paul says, I, I'm planning. I, I actually making a plan and I want to make it happen, but it's never going to happen and I never have a vision for it unless I actually plan for it. And I would say this, it would be a tragedy that if you have, that's, I always go back to teaching because it's my gifting. So I, I always see that. But it, I say, would it, be, would, it, would it be a tragedy to have the gift of teaching but never preparing oneself and getting to know the word of God and sitting under the teaching of the word of God and going through the steps that are necessary to teach because you just didn't plan. And that's why I say when you come to church and when you come to the Bible studies, we want you to be thinking, how can I use what I am learning for ministry's sake? How is this going to be, how can I use this? Because if you're thinking, this is not just in, but now it's going to go in, I'm a conduit and it's going to go out. You're going you're to learn it and prepare it. So Paul says, I, I simply plan. I have a plan. I have a goal. And so we need to, we, we, we need to actually be thinking, okay, how do I prepare? And then where, where would I like to plug in? If I see, if I look and I say, I want to be a teach, I want to teach Sunday school, then head that way. Make it so you can head that way. The next thing I want us to see is just simply not only did he plan, not only did he make plans, did he have, did he have a desire to do ministry and he looked towards it. But I want you to see this. He was flexible. His plans were flexible. And perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may send me on my way wherever I may go. And then he says, if the Lord wills later. Paul made plans and he said, listen, this is what I desire to do. I, I, here's where I see need. Here's where my gifting is. This is where I want to go. But he also had his plans in an open hand. In other words, he was flexible in his plans. Now, you'll look at this. He doesn't say, I'm going to do this and I must do this. But he makes plans that are not set in stone, but are, are directly flexible in fact his plans changed quite a bit if we if we in fact by the time he does get to court right in second corinthians 
They think he's fickle because his, cha- his plans have changed so much. They think that he's a man that just keeps going all over the place. But he says, listen, my plans ultimately are flexible because I don't know the future. In other words, I plan and I plan where I will minister in the ministry that I do, but I will hold that open. Can't help but be reminded of, of Paul in Acts chapter 16. Do you remember Paul back in Acts chapter 16? He wants to do ministry. And it says they passed through Phrygene and Galatia region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak a word in Asia. So they saw a need. They were planning to go there. And the Holy Spirit does what? Don't go there. I'm sure that he had it all mapped out. I'm sure he wanted to go to Asia. He, had a, he planned it. But the Lord changed it. So they said, well, okay, let's change our plans. Let's go to Bithynia. Let's go to a different place. Well, well we can't go east. We can't go there. We can't go south. The Holy Spirit won't let us go. We can't go north. We will go. We'll go west. 250 to 300 miles they went walking west. They all went to the only place that the Holy Spirit would allow them to go. Not their plan. Not where they wanted to go. They didn't need to go. They kept moving. The door was somewhere else so they kept walking. They came to Troas and they had a vision of a, of a, at night of a man in Macedonia and came over to Macedonia. And verse 10 says, After he had seen the vision immediately, he endeavored to go to Macedonia. Surely gathering the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. Isn't that great? Flexibility. They had their plans. Their plans were scuttled, but they kept moving. And so he says, be flexible. Be flexible. Make your plans, but be flexible. And this is where Proverbs tells us, Proverbs 16:9, the man, the mind of a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And so his 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 plans were flexible. And 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 we've used this illustration, I think, before, but we say that God can't steer a parked car. So Paul made plans, he set out about his plans, and then God steered him, right? And so Paul, Paul, went, Paul went, he planned, he headed in a direction, and then allowed the Holy Spirit to change him, to move him, to put him in a different spot. It's interesting that how many times in, in, in history men have planned to go to ministry, they have planned to go to certain places, 
only to have God move them to a different spot. Do we remember David Livingston, the great missionary in Africa? His whole desire was to go to be a missionary in China. In China. And yet he spent his ministry, his whole life ministry, in Africa. And was used there for God's glory. Again, a man plans his way, God directs his path. His plans were flexible. He didn't say, oh no, Lord, don't take me to Africa. I've got to go to China. He was flexible in his planning, and he went to Africa. So we need to be flexible. God may launch you in an area that you've never dreamed possible. Third principle I want us to see about planning is simply this. Paul had a financial plan. Now, this is not fundamental for everything, but, lo- but just simply look with me. So that we may send you, so that you may send me on my way wherever I may go. Now, it just sounds like Paul's going to come, he's going to spend some time with them, and then they're just going to take him to the bus stop and say, okay, off you go, right? Thanks for being here, you know, see you later. But that's not the language here that he's talking about. It's a technical term for supplying the travel needs of God's ministers, thus conveys the idea of help, to help one forward on his journey, including furnishing things necessary for one's travel. So Paul says, I'm coming to you, and I'm going sp- to minister with you, and I want to spend time with you. But he says, I also recognize that and for me to continue in ministry as I go on, that I'm going to need support. This is the same term that Paul said in 15, Romans 15, 24, whenever I go to Spain, for I hope to see you in passing and to be helped on my way there by you when I have first enjoyed your company for a while. He said in 3 thir- in John 6, it says, and they testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner what worthy of God. 2 Corinthians 1, 16, that, that is to pass your way into Macedonia, again to Macedonia, to come to you and by, and, and by you to be helped on my journey to Judea. And so the idea is they, Paul is saying, listen, in order to do ministry, I recognize that I need to have some sort of financial backing in order to go. In other words, Paul doesn't just say, the Lord will take care. He doesn't just throw off all restraints, jump on a boat, taking no clothes, no extra clothes, I should say, taking no furnishings, no food, no support. He doesn't just jump on the, on the bus and go. He recognizes that there's a necessity for some support. Now, it, it doesn't necessitate that someone who is going on the mission field has to have 
100% support as if, as if they can't, there can't be sacrifices made. But the idea is when it comes to ministry, especially full-time ministry as Paul is going, going from church to church, you just don't throw yourself out there and, and test the Lord as it were. Paul was expecting that those for, from whom he was ministering to would also be a source of physical blessing for him so that he would be able to carry on ministry. So Paul wasn't just, you know, let go and, and, and just hoping that, that things would take care of themselves as if somehow the Lord would make it happen because he planned it. In other words, he made, he made we would say, arrangements to make sure that he would at least, in theory, have money for him to go and to continue on his journey. And so it is, especially for those who go into full-time ministry, we don't, you don't just decide to go to Africa and then just he- head out. You know, you because ha- you, you, when, you, when you get to the, I guess it's an airplane these days, you get to the airplane and you say, well, God's going to pay my fare. They're not going to take that at the airport, right? You, got, you, you need to actually have money. You need to have the resources to go. And so Paul, Paul here lays down, as it were, the idea that, yes, I'm planning. I'm planning to do the Lord's work, but I'm, planning, I'm also planning a way to do the Lord's work, not just where I'm going, but how I will get there. So Paul says, I, I plan. I'm, I'm, not, I'm just not hoping that things will take place. I have a vision for, for ministry in the future. He says, my plans, my plans are flexible. I will go as the Lord leads me. And then he says, I, I will go, I, I, will, I will try to set up a way for me to do it in a, on the human realm where I have the, the backing and the support that I need in order to do effective ministry. Now the next thing I, I want you to see is, as we look at this is Paul's desire to spend time with them the depth of his ministry so he says for i do not wish to see you now just in passing for i hope to remain with you for some time if the lord permits and so paul says i, I want to spend time with you i wish to see you i wish to to not just go by in passing and again we see the flexibility of his plans for i hope to remain with you for some time I want, I want to spend time with you. I want to minister to you. I want to, I want to go in depth with you. I'm not there just for, your, for money, but I'm there for, to, to, if, to, to minister to you in a way that is, is depth, that has depth. In other words, he says, I, I, want, I want to come to you not just for money, but that I might minister in depth with you in the gospel. And so Paul says, I, I, want, I want you to understand that I am, I am not just here to do a, a flyby, 
but I am planning to do ministry in depth to the point where there is fruit, where I know you and that I'm not just using you. And so Paul has, has, a, has a, a passion to do in-depth ministry. He's not there to do a, a quick crusade and pop out. He's not there to just do a, a money drive. But he's there, as it were, to teach and to spend time with them in the word and to, and to, and to bring them up in maturity in Christ. And so as he plans ministry, he's planning it for the long term. He's not planning it just for in and out. He's planning it for the long term. The next principle I want us to just simply to simply see is this. That as you plan for ministry in the future, you need to be busy now. As you plan for, the, for, for ministry in the future, as you look to something where you think you're going, you need to be serving now. Look with me here, he says. But I will remain at Ephesus until Pentecost. So Paul says, in spite of the need, I'm going to take that offering to Jerusalem. In spite of the need, there is, there is, I'm going to stay here at Ephesus until Pentecost. Now, part of that simply might have been because Pentecost was around the time of the year where winter was end ending and they could sail. So in some ways, you could say that even as Paul plans, there's a practical element to his, to his travel, right? He doesn't decide that he's going to uh, go to Russia to uh, evangelize the people in Russia and he's going to go over the North Pole in a, in a snowstorm or a but he's waiting until what? Till things open up so that he can go. And so he says, I'm, I'm going to go to, I'm going to stay at Ephesus until Pentecost. More than likely, there's a practical element here, but also he says, for a wide door for effective service is open to me. In other words, I'm looking forward to ministry in the future, but right now, God has opened a door for me to minister. He is, the door is wide open, and I am presently ministering, and the ministry that I have is effective. In other words, God is working, God is moving, God is using his words. I have an opportunity here, and I will continue to serve until that opportunity is closed. And for many of us, we, we think, well, I'm, I would like to serve, but we look to the future, and we don't think about the things that we can actually do in the meantime. What, how can I practice, how can I serve right now with, the, with my gifting, with my abilities, and with my, my level of, of, of accomplishment? In other words, I would like to be a teacher, but it doesn't mean I have to start with teaching. There are things that I can exercise within the church until that point comes. And so he says, for the... the, the for a wide door for effective service is open to me. God has opened the door and I have to walk through it. And here we again see his flexibility. I have a door that's opened and I have service in front of me and I'm going to be faithful to that ministry until God pulls me out of it. 
And I think we can take just a little lesson here where sometimes we look for the grander stuff and we think that even though the, mini- the ministry we're doing, even though we're doing, it's God is producing in it, we, we want to look farther down the road to something better. And Paul says, no, God has opened a door here. The gospel's going forth. People are being transformed. In fact, things went so well that, that they were burning their idols, remember? And they were burning their idols and it ended up making Paul have to leave sooner than he wanted to because the Holy Spirit was moving and the gospel was going forth. But Paul was not sitting, sitting down and waiting, as it were, for the time for his travel to Macedonia. He didn't say, well, that's, that's my vision, that's my dream, and so I'll wait. But he remained busy. And I would say this, it would be, as we send out missionaries, it would be remiss for us to send out missionaries who are not actually acting like missionaries here. In other words, if they're not evangelizing and sharing the gospel here, why do we think that a change of address would change that? And this is why we talk about sending out faithful people. It's people who are already busy that we give them more jobs, and it is those who are busy that we send. Look at Paul. When he was sent out, there was five pastors there, and they sent two of them out. And so Paul says, listen, don't wait until your plans come true, the perfect plan that you have in the future. Be busy now. Use your gifting. Do whatever you can where you are at, and don't wait. Don't wait. The last principle I want us just to say is this. When God opens a door and God is working, you need to plan for opposition. You need to plan for opposition. You need to expect opposition. Now, there's kind of this idea that if I serve the Lord, then the skies are going to be blue. Everything's going to go great. And if I am just, if I'm just godly enough and if I just, am spiritual enough, and if I can just do things right, everything's going to go great. But Paul says, no, with, with this opportunity comes what? Great adversaries, many adversaries, many, many adversaries. Those who are opposed, those who are against. And invariably, when we go and we, sh- and we start to serve. And this, I, I want you to think about this. We often think that this is for over there, right? We think, well, I can understand if you're a missionary and you're going across the ocean and you're going to a strange culture that people are going to be opposed. But I have news for you. Invariably, when you begin to teach the truth of the word of God according to what it says, according to its context and its true meaning, you will get kicked back. 
And it will be people in the local church often will be the ones who will oppose you the greatest because they don't want to submit to the truth of the word of God. And we have so watered down the gospel and we have so watered down what we have told people that people, number one, are coming to a gospel, to a false gospel, thinking that they are trusting in God to solve their problems rather than coming to the end of themselves and, and confessing their sin against the holy God. And they think that they got saved because they prayed a prayer and because they somehow have, have made a verbal commitment to him and they show no love for him at all and they come to the local church and they sit. And they sit here unsaved, believing they're saved because someone's given them a man-centered gospel that doesn't save. They're not broken over their sin. When Jesus said, follow me, he didn't say, if you have time or when you would like. That was a prerequisite for being a disciple. And so when we begin to teach the truths of the word of God and we start to confront people with sin, there's going to be a reaction. There's going to be opposition. You don't have to go overseas. You don't have to go to some strange culture. You simply have to do that here. So I would say to you, if you're going to do Bible-based ministry, if you're going to teach and live according to the word of God, expect that there's going to be opposition. Expect that there's going to be opposition. Because when the Holy Spirit works, Satan is there to oppose. He is a prowling lion and he is going to try to protect his territory. And here's the thing. We recognize that if there is no opposition to the things that we do, and if we are not having opposition, we have to wonder Am I actually doing things biblically? Am I doing them according to the word of God? Because if I have no opposition at all, that means I'm not confronting sin. That means I'm not confronting sinners. And therefore, I should have no assurance that I am doing biblical ministry as I should. Maybe I'm not doing the Lord's work. Maybe I'm not giving people the true gospel. Maybe I'm not bringing people to sanctification in the way that the word of God tells us to do. Now I know here at Bowmanville Baptist Church at the moment that God has blessed us with tremendous unity. And we, God has blessed us in many, many ways. But we know this, that as God works and as we grow spiritually, opposition will come. Opposition will come. And, and, and we might have a tendency to say, oh no, the sky is falling, that's awful. That's terrible. How come now we've got people who are, who are not all in a line and we're not walk, walking like a bunch of ducks, it's terrible. 
But the reality is it may be demonstrating that actually instead of doing something wrong, we're doing something right. And God is moving here. So far from being discouraged, see it as an opportunity. Paul did. He went to one of the most filthy cities in the world, one of the most corrupt cities in the world, and he preached the gospel and he saw tremendous change. And a lot of those who opposed him, the Holy Spirit worked in their hearts, gave them a new heart, and they came to salvation. So instead of seeing opposition as something to run for from, we should be like Paul who saw it what is an opportunity, an opportunity. Yes, we may end up being run out of town like Paul, but until that point, let's trust God and recognize that opposition doesn't mean we're doing it wrong. Opposition can be a very demonstration that God is working. And so as we, as we, as we look forward to doing ministry, as we look forward to plugging in, recognize there will be adversaries. There will be those who will oppose us. But let us not be discouraged. Let us once again look forward to the power of God and an opportunity as we go forward. Well, this morning we've, we've seen some principles that we can apply to our lives as we plan towards ministry. And the question is, are we willing to apply these to our lives? Are we willing to actually to, to have a plan to look forward to ministry? Are we actually willing to be flexible enough to God to let God use us in the way that he wants us to be used and not ourselves? Are we looking to become a missionary? Are we looking to be in ministry full time? Are we, are we planning in a way that our, our ministry is financially sustainable? Are we looking to do ministry in depth? Or are we just looking to skim over people and get scalps? Are we trying to make disciples? Are we willing to go through the door that God has opened us? Are we willing to be obedient now and not wait, but exercise our gifts? And then are we prepared to meet the opposition that comes from being biblical and godly in our ministry? We need to, we need to plan. We need to have these principles in our mind. And then if we do, like Paul, we will be successful in ministering for God as he works through us. And then we, we can be those who at the end will hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Because we did not fail to plan and we did not fail to do God's work God's way. And when we do God's work his way, then we are pleasing to him. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the principles that can be drawn from your word. And you would pray, pray that we would be like 
Paul, who was always considering ministry, who was always looking to serve you. And I pray that we would be willing to put our plans in your hands, that we would be willing to do the things that are necessary to please you as we do your work. And so I pray this morning that we would be those who would be faithful to carry out the work that you have called us to do. In your name, amen.